Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome into the Austin Audible's post-game edition. It's been a while since we've been inside Austin Stadium doing a post-game show, but here we are. Uh, Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack, after Oregon's 2022 spring game, um, first under Dan Lanning. If you care about the score yellow beat green 31 to 21 but and i think overall exciting day of football that's now transitioned over to baseball softball concert anything else going on i think this is the first post game in Austin stadium of this decade oh since december of 2019 would have been last time we did one in this building in this building i believe point yeah 2020 and 21 i don't think it was available so here we are here we are um, yeah, it was a fun game, and the offense really stole the show early. Yeah. Uh, I mean, did you think about the way it started? I mean, the first quarter, there were three long touchdowns or three long drives that resulted in touchdowns. And then I thought the defense had some nice moments. I know we're going to get into takeaways, but, like, probably where I would start is, like, how about the explosiveness in the passing game? Because yeah. that was something that was very absent last year mm-hmm. until the Alamo Bowl, and it was very much on display early with Seven McGee on the first play from scrimmage, 71-yard catch, and it just kind of continued from there. I think there were – one of my predictions coming in was um, at least three plays of over 40 yards. I think there were five, so they even outdid my expectation. This was definitely an offensive game to start, at least. 21 points in the first quarter, as Eric just mentioned. There was, you know, three multiple or three really long plays, one to Chris Hudson, Seven McGee, and Dante Thornton. Um, I think that was what we all wanted to see coming into the game. That was the hype. That was the talk about town. That was the talk in the practice about how this offense was relatively new and improved. There wasn't going to be many looks against stacked boxes. They were going to stretch the field vertically with every position group. And they lived up to it. They did it. Even the tight ends that, you know, everybody, well, that was another thing where it's like, well, we want to stretch the field vertically. It's yeah. like, well, Terrence Ferguson caught one for 30 and Maliki Matavao caught one for 23, which I'm sure is significantly longer than any pass they caught last season. So all in all, it was certainly an offensive takeaway. Um, I, again, this is a thing with the Oregon program right now. I don't know if a lot of people are worried about defense more than they are about offense with Lupoy and being head coach with Dan Lanning, but... Uh, I think this should should help ease some ease some minds, ease some attention about the offense a little bit, just to how they performed. Um, there's going to be a lot of emphasis, I think, externally put on this game from an offensive standpoint. And look, it, it's easy to do. I'll do it. I'm sure I'll fall into it. But the the key is 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 this consistently what Oregon did during during spring yeah. practice? And I asked Dan Manning that question, and he said, you know. The guys that made plays during spring ball, some of those guys made the plays today um, in, in the spring game. And so there was carryover. There was consistency that you would expect. But like you guys have said, I don't know how you can't be excited about this offense. I mean, I think the first drive, first play, 70 yards yeah. to 7 McGee. Uh, two plays later, they score another touch. They score a touchdown on a five-yard pass. Um, I, I think we kind of all looked at each other like, this is fun. This is different. And... The players themselves have talked about it during fall camp. 
Um, the hype has certainly, I wondered, maybe grown a little too too high about this offense. But you walk away thinking, like, yeah, there's plenty to work on, but there's plenty to be excited about that's different. And that's also, like we said, a lot of nice things about the offense. Also five turnovers. Yes. Each of the quarterbacks yep. threw a touchdown. Each of the quarterbacks also threw an interception. We'll get into more, I think, quarterback-specific conversation towards the back end. But, like, the good thing here, probably for both sides of the ball, is a lot to work on. Like if you're at the defense, another without a lot of key players, you gave up some big plays. You gave up probably more big plays than you'd like. But the good thing for the defense in, in response is they force a lot of turnovers. And just like the offense, you have the big plays, but you also probably had a couple not, not probably you had a couple balls that were put in bad spots that resulted in turnovers. And uh, I think just overall, certainly a game where you feel like the offense and defense obviously kind of traded blows, and you had some impressive moments for both sides of the football. And I also think it's like. We got really excited about this offense when it was compared to Chip Kelly's just a couple of days ago yeah. from Seven McGee, and for at least parts of the game, you kind of saw why that comment was made, and it felt like that way, especially with just the aggressiveness of throwing the ball down the field, which we just yeah. didn't see a year ago. We didn't see any of that a year ago, <laughs> and this was so different than the last couple of spring games in terms of what the offensive production was. Um, I mean, spring games, you know, people are always excited for. It's football in the middle of April. Who, who wouldn't be excited about that? Uh, this one actually had electricity, especially in the first quarter where, again, like Eric just mentioned, the first play of the game was a 70-yarder to 7 McGee, you know, down to the 3- or 4-yard line. Uh, with that type of offense, it certainly gets a lot of people riled up. Um, but, yeah, the offensive, the turnovers are going to be something to watch because when you are that aggressive on offense, there are moments and times where it just doesn't work and you're going to have turnovers. But if an, if an offense like this can score as often as they did today, I think you'd take that. Um, and it's also important to remember that Oregon's defense with, was without a lot of their mm-hmm. main guys, especially in the secondary. Um, I think we'll get to injuries specifically later, but you know they were out without some key guys, but it certainly didn't stop people like J.J. Greenfield or Triquest Bridges from stepping up and making a play, and Jaleel Florence also recording an interception. Um, and that overall, there, there are a lot of really good things to take away from this, and I would even say... Uh, like all the turnovers are a good thing to take away. It's that they're being aggressive, that they're trying to move the ball downfield, that it's okay if they throw into a turnover, they're going to try to throw into a touchdown. And eventually those either harm or hurt you, but it's worth it to take the risk, especially after what we've been seeing for years now. Um, Let's transition to players that stood out. Um, I'll go first, and I'll, I'll... I'll pick Chase Coda. I think all three of us mentioned something about him. <laughs> I would have picked him if you didn't. Um, six catches, 100 yards. He didn't score a touchdown, but he looked a lot different than his career at UCLA, um, just from a production standpoint. I don't know if that's just because of actual targets going his way or, or, or whatnot, but I, I looked at the receivers as like, hey, this is going to be Thornton, Franklin, and Hudson, those are automatically going to be the three starters. Coda's coming in to kind of provide just that veteran experience to a really young core. Um, that Dante Thornton, even himself today, said they're really young. But I think I think you can make a, co- a case that Coda's just right there with them in yep. terms of production, in terms of talent, and in terms of maybe even being a starter. You don't want to make too much of one performance, but... He's a big receiver. He made a lot of tough plays, and I think Duck fans should be excited about. He made the most plays in traffic of the yeah. receivers, right? Most 50-50 balls. A lot of, and this doesn't take anything away from these other plays. By the way, we've got a live baseball <laughs> game at PK Park taking place, and there might be cheers in the background that might, I guess, distract a little bit. So just, a, like they just a scored warning. a run. Hey, go Ducks! 
Um, but my point with Coda is like he he made like probably three or four catches in traffic, fifty yeah. fifty balls that were really impressive. He made a couple others. That one I think he was just outside of the pass from Ty kind of sailed out of bounds a little bit, so he was a foot out. Um, that would have gone for a touchdown or close to. He had another that was called back, I think, on an offensive pass interference call. But like he he had a really great day, six catches, hundred yards. I would have picked him if not for Matt. Instead, I'm going to pick the guy I said I'd be watching coming in, and that was Seven McGee, who <laughs> was just like all over the place. Yeah. We utilized him, I think, a little more um, vertically than I'd expected. We didn't, you know. By the way, we didn't see a lot of screen game. Period. No. I don't know if there really was a screen. I don't think pass. there was one. Um, you know, one of the things I asked you at Butterfield after was kind of like, does this feel like it's the entire to the offense or how close? And he was kind of like. These are trade secrets. We're not. I'm not letting mm-hmm. you know that information, but uh, like, but there might be some more stuff. And like, I think you get excited, kind of thinking about it from those terms because I, I, I'd imagine this is like probably more than half of what they're going to do. Maybe I don't know, yeah. but it's not all of it. And for them to have some explosive moments like this stood out. And seven is somebody who had been compared to Anthony Thomas, and you see why. Just when he gets in the open field with the space, that first touchdown or near touchdown catch he had. Um, it's like a Identical play to the Anthony it Thomas. Was, yeah, I was just going to say, just some of the footwork there to maneuver his way and almost get in was impressive. And then uh, two plays later, one-handed touchdown catch in traffic, that was not an easy catch at all. So that's, that would be my offensive game ball, if we're going to call it that. I would love to give it to a running back, but they weren't like really tackling, tackling. So it's kind of hard to do it. Noah yeah. Whittington and Sean Dollars both ran very hard today. Um, I'm going to go with Dante Thorin, who was somebody who I put on the watch list before this. <laughs> he came out and performed um, only three catches today, but 116 total yards and two touchdowns with a long of 70. Um, just really good. Uh, I think his speed we saw at points last year, especially against, I think it was uh, Stony Brook, where he had his 56-yard touchdown. Um, that, that speed at that height and that skill set is going to be something to really keep an eye out for. I just have a thought here. Yes. His catch to touchdown rate, if you use last year's good. spring game, last good. year's games, and this year's spring game, it's got to be like two to one. Because <laughs> he had three yeah. catches for two touchdowns here. I know last year he had like five catches for two touchdowns. And last spring game, I think he might have had, I know he had a long touchdown from Robbie Ashford that was like right before. Uh-huh. But like, I think he's got an incredible touchdown to reception rate. It's impressive. Three catches for 116 yards? Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. Pretty good. Yeah. It's, like it's not Deshaun bad. Jackson. <laughs> it's Deshaun Jackson ish. Yes. He would be a fantastic fantasy wide receiver. The defensive uh, I will go with the guy that I yeah, I yeah. threw on the list that I was excited to see, and DJ Johnson. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he had maybe the best performance of the day. It's hard to it, it's really hard to pick one guy. Yeah, but defensively, defensively he, he did seven total tackles, four sacks, five tackles for loss. And honestly, if this wasn't a spring game, those numbers are probably a little bit better. If, or if 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 they were allowed to go full contact, right? Yeah. Those numbers were uh, were going to be a little bit better because if you go, if you go regular game, he's not playing half a starting offensive line, True. and so those numbers will probably go down a little bit. But nonetheless, just wow, phenomenal. And and what Dan said afterwards, potentially one of the best players in the conference, and he said if he like works as hard as he possibly can one of the best players in the country, and that's, that's very, very high praise high coming praise. out of a spring game. And as we know, Especially Dan is very measured in what he said. This is the closest, This is the that's the highest praise we've seen him say about any player yes, yeah. to this point. Um, well, and he's somebody who's going to go and who has coached 
probably four first-round picks in this NFL at draft. That position. At that kind at, of position. At that defensive end outside linebacker role. Yeah, so he knows guys in that spot. I thought he was awesome, too. Um, I wanted, I'm i not going to name – I'm not going to pick the guy I said going in, but I do want to say that like, I had Trevin Myers, like a, a sleeper guy to watch. He had four tackles in the sack. thought he played well. I'm going to throw – just kind of throw out a lot of uh, – just a little appreciation for J.J. Greenfield because yeah. not only did he – we don't know exactly what went down last year. More good stuff happening over at PK. Um, not only did he have something go on last year, it wasn't with the team. He kind of joined. He's a non non scholarship role now. He had two t- forced turnovers today, three tackles. Um, was notably around the ball a lot, and I just thought performed well. And I, I don't know how much of this is going to matter ultimately, like getting into the fall, because I would imagine he's going to be primarily a special teams guy who. Maybe his depth at safety, maybe depth at nickel, maybe based upon injuries, maybe he plays really well. He can be a regular on defense, but certainly somebody who I thought played really well and was just around the ball a lot today. I'm going to go with another guy that I gave everybody a fair warning about in Jackson LaDuke. Um, I figured that Justin Flo probably wouldn't participate in today, and he, he did not. He warmed up. He went through all the warm-ups in full pads, but did not see this field. You tease. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. The uh, Duke had six total tackles, one and a half sacks, and a tackle for loss, or one and a half tackles for loss. Excuse me. Uh, it's pretty darn good from the linebacking position. And just as we've talked about a lot over the the course of this spring camp, uh, simulated pressures have certainly been a thing, and today was no different. Lots of corner blitzes, lots of safety blitzes, lots of middle linebacker blitzes, and Jackson the Duke was a huge part of that. Um, he collapsed the interior of the pocket many times. Uh, a lot of DJ Johnson's sacks were helped out by Jackson LaDuke collapsing the pocket in the middle. Um, I thought it was a really good game for him. Yeah, I think he really showed off what he could be as a linebacker. We really didn't see him until the final three or four games last season due to injury. He is 100% healthy now, and I do think that he's a name to watch, even if he's a second-team linebacker, because I still would start Flo and Sewell over him. But that's a very deep position. Well, remember, Jared, last year, I mean, different coaches, and that's notable but mm-hmm. Ken Wilson in fall camp was like before he got hurt yeah. was yeah. like he's, he's going race. to play yeah. he, like it, it was like clear in Ken's yeah. eyes at the time that he was going to be a guy yeah can I give a special team shout out that <laughs> probably <laughs> went a little under <laughs> radar no, Will, by the way Tom Snee not with the team Dan Lanning said afterwards he's away but like it kind of left the door open it sounded yeah. like yeah. We, I don't know his exact words Will Hutchinson, in his place, had eight punts for an average of, and now it's hard here because I have to do some crazy math because he's on the yellow and the green team. So he had four punts for one, on one side, four on the other. I think it's about four punts for eight punts for about 44 yards per punt. That's pretty good. Which is pretty darn good. Two over 60 yards, uh, had a touchback, one that's inside the 20. But I don't know what the future holds with Tom Snee. I think that's kind of one of those things yeah. that is left kind of to your own imagination at this point. But... If Hutchinson's put in this position, at least for one day, he showed he can boom the ball around a little bit. I don't know as much of the directional stuff because he had a couple that maybe didn't land where you'd like it. He did pin one to like the one or two yard line. He also had a couple that went into the end zone. Also had one blocked. Also did have one blocked, and we should give a shout out to Isaiah Bravard for that one, who was yellow I think, team. Who was re- referred to as Bennett Williams, but that's, <laughs> you know, that, neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, neither here nor there. Exactly what I was going to say. But yeah, I thought Will Hutchinson did a nice job booting the ball around. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll discuss the quarterback position. I think that's what a lot of people are going to want our opinions on. Uh, coming up next here on the Autsonalos podcast.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, quarterbacks, there was a lot of attention all camp. I guess camp still has one more practice. Um, a lot of attention is going to be put on this game. A lot of emphasis will be put on this game. But I, I you don't want to make too much. But at the same time, I, I think there's a clear front runner to win this job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Bo Nix. And I think there was definitely some hesitancy when he signed with Oregon. Um, I, Jared, I know you were very questionable of the, of the decision when it when it happened of not necessarily going out and getting a quarterback, but but that type of a player. I don't know. I, I walk away thinking if, if Oregon can get Bo Nix from the 2022 spring game over consistently over 12 games, they'll be fine. That that is a good enough performance, and the question becomes: Is that what he's done? The thirteen other practices, which we don't know the answer to. Right, that's the hard part. I, I just want to read down the stats here real quick. Uh, Bo Nix, eight, eight of fifteen, two hundred thirty yards, three touchdowns, one interception. By the way, fifteen attempts, two hundred thirty yards is really quite good. good. Two of those, by the way, were like seventy-yard completions. So, yeah. one hundred and forty of the two thirty on two passes, not bad. Jay Butterfield, sixteen of twenty-six for two fifteen, a touchdown, an interception. Ty Thompson. 12 of 27, 168, a touchdown, two interceptions. Interesting that kind of both the young guys got about 10 more pass attempts than the starter. Yeah. And then, then Bo, I think that might have been kind That's of by, by design. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm with you, Matt. I think if you, if we're, we're going to, we said entering spring, probably going to be Bo Nix. I think during spring, we didn't have a ton of information to go off based upon 11 on 11. We saw mm-hmm. they come out of spring or out of at least the spring game. Um, I think it's pretty clear he feels like QB1 at the moment, yeah. and we will see what happens this offseason. I also just want to say, like, I thought both the younger quarterbacks had some really nice moments and then also some yeah. not-so-great moments. And even Bo Nix, we have to say, had his a interception re- was, was really, really bad. bad. He had a really bad, and, and that sort of has been kind of the knock on Bo yeah. is these awesome plays, and he can throw that deep ball, and with the receivers you have out mm-hmm. one, they, that could be some. he could have some long passes this year um, with a lot of success. He also had a play where he just threw the ball into triple coverage and it was picked off and it was a really bad throw. Yeah, I thought I thought today's performance for Bo Nix like probably 
perfectly encapsulated who he is as a player in general. I thought he was really good today. I thought he's somebody who could, you know, clearly had a much better touch on his deep ball than we've seen in years past mm-hmm. with, with Oregon's quarterbacks. Um, I think he's somebody who could certainly lead the group. Um, but I also believe that he's the clear-cut number one guy right now. Um, but, yeah, like we were just mentioning, he certainly had his, his lapses in judgment where he did throw into, like, a double coverage and was intercepted. Um, but that's going to come. That's just going to happen with most quarterbacks. I think the level of quarterback play, again, we've talked about this on this podcast before, the level of quarterback play at, at Oregon was so high for so long, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. just what everybody expected to happen. It's not. Um, I, I, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Bo Picks. Uh, sorry. The Bo, <laughs> that's just out of habit, by the, the way. Out of habit at this point. The Bo Nix transferred to Oregon at the time. Uh, I just thought then, kind of how I do now where it's like, it's a it's an upgrade over over what Anthony Brown was last year. It just you know at one point does it bring you to more of an upgrade? Um, I do think after watching today's spring game that Nick's has certainly improved and, and performed very well today. He's going to have some really good weapons on the outside. Um, the offensive line, which wasn't great today, but then again it was split into two teams. He's going to have a solid foundation. He was sacked four times today though. Yeah. yeah. It just it was split into two teams, but when he gets to the first team, he'll have a solid foundation. He has a coach that he can trust. And he has a division that isn't as difficult as the SEC West is. So <laughs> you think I sometimes I do. Uh, <laughs> I so I liked what I saw from Bonix today. I, I really enjoyed his the touch on the deep ball that he had and Honestly, the the opening drive where it's like, all right, we're gonna throw this seventy yards to seven McGee. Um, awesome. I just don't think that was a play that Oregon had last year, and I think Nick's provides that to Oregon. It provides them a quarterback they can trust to throw the ball deep down the field, and that's all I could really ask for. I think it's. Would you say it's fair to say that it's Bo Nix's job to lose, but he hasn't one hundred percent won the job yeah. yet? Like, I think so. I'm not going to say he's won the job. Yeah, they've gone no. to the offseason. Yeah. yeah, but he's, he's I, he has distanced himself. Yes, he's he's pretty far ahead. I agree. Yeah, this feels like uh, like the tortoise and the hare. If it was actually like a real story, and the hare would win, <laughs> but this one he feels pretty firmly ahead. I, I and I and let's talk about Ty just for a second. And I think today goes back to I think a perfect example of what Eric. We had Greg Biggins on. I think when he mm-hmm. signed. Or maybe it was, it was going no, it, into last year. It was like, no, it was Washington week yeah. this last year. It was like midseason. And he said that you know, a lot of the expectations and the, the ranking and the five-star consideration for Ty was because he has all the physical tools, but it's now can he mold that into yep. something long-term. Yep. And it's a, it was a ranking based on what he would be like in year three, year four, year five in the program yep. and not year one, which he still is currently in. And I think that's kind of what we saw today with Ty, where he looked really good in some moments, and then to quote himself, Ty himself, he said he was really poor, and yeah. he looked really poor at other times in this game. He has a really, really strong arm. Yes. And the physical tools are very clearly there, and I thought there were moments where he made really good reads and put the ball right where yep. it needed to, and then I think probably the second half in particular, I don't know what the splits were, but I... Again, this is one thing that's kind of frustrating because we didn't actually, there were no live stats available, so we were actually keeping stats. So this is like, I think, unofficially. I think, so Ty finished 12 for 27 for 168. I want to say he was like 11 for 18 in the first half, according to the unofficial stats that Jared Denny of uh, yes. 3, one of our buddies, took. So, like, that means in the second half he was like 
one for eight, one for nine, and he had I think one interception. Yeah, that was pretty yep. bad. Yeah. So like, yeah, you see the up and down play, and I, I, I want to along unless Jared has anything big to say on Ty, I've got some Jay thoughts. I just I think Matt put it perfectly. It was just a, an example of. He has all the physical traits. He has the arm strength. He has the ability to throw any pass in the field. It's just, it's decision making. It's what you see from young quarterbacks. It's you know, can you read a defense? His interception interception in the second half was one where he didn't read the defense, or there was a miscommunication with the wide receiver, and he threw it you know right into the hands of, of Keith Brown. Um, it's just yeah, it's what we come to expect. I did like what I saw from him today. Um, I, I I thought he could. You can you can see it every time he takes the field. You can see how this kid could come become that live up or excuse me live up to that five star ranking. But he didn't do it today, and, and I'm not I'm not holding it against him or anything like that. But it, it was uh, it was it was ex- probably exactly what I expected coming into this. I just wanted to say, NJ, I was really impressed. His second attempt was an interception. It was just a, I think a pretty bad decision, bad ball placement. And I think he came. He, so he was funny because he was on I think Team Yellow, and then he, <laughs> suddenly he's now he's on Team Green. We 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 hypothesized about might, this. We thought it might happen, but oh, I, I think that was a good job by the staff, by the way, yeah. to just be like, no, you're not going to have a moment to think on this. Go back out there because then his third play was a was a was a really nice throw to Josh Delgado for a touchdown that was thrown into some traffic. I don't like I don't know if that's maybe exactly the placement you want, but it worked. It's a touchdown and. I thought the resolve he showed there as a young quarterback, um, and he mentioned like afterwards. I spoke to him after the game of like, I was really nervous. He's like, this is the first time I've really played in front of a crowd in like three years. And you think about it, that's true. Like mm-hmm. since his senior year in high school in 2019, he was here in 2020. He was here in 2021. He barely played either of those seasons, and if he did, it was no fans in 2020. And then in 2021, I think he had one drive against Stony Brook. Yeah, he hardly played. He basically hasn't played a college football game until today. And this is a real environment. I don't know if we talked about attendance, but it was like massive. Over, it was like 42, 42,000. Yeah, 42, estimated. Yeah, that was the estimation we heard. It was a packed house, and there was a lot of noise. And I thought, again, I was just impressed with the. And of course, he also didn't have a perfect day. You know, we ran through the stats before. His completion percentage a little better than Ty's. Um, didn't have two interceptions like Ty did, but like he had some moments that weren't great either. But I just was impressed with the resolve there. Of you make a really bad play, and a couple of plays later you come back and you throw a, a nice throw for a touchdown. It was nice. Yeah, I thought Jay and, and Ty had very comparable games. They both had had some misreads. They both had some really good passes. Uh, they both had a lot of uh, Chase Cota seemed like their friend for a while <laughs> with like a lot of physical. Like I'll I'll go up and get this ball and That's go over true. a DB. Um, but yeah, they. I think they both. They were both solid. Again, they, you both see an it factor from both of them, where you can you can see that you know they, they could become a, a solid starting quarterback in college football. Uh, it's just probably not right yeah, now with Bo Nix ahead of them, but that's okay. By buying this or selling this, the real battle is for number two, and it's really close between Jay and Ty. I'd buy that. I'd buy it. I mean, and the real battle, be, yeah, the real, yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of where it was a year ago, where it was okay, probably going to be Anthony Brown. Who's positioned themselves to be the replacement in 23? And, I, and and this is kind of goes back to I think a bogus online rumor about Ty transferring. He, there's no reason for Ty to transfer because the future and the long term nature of this quarterback position at Oregon in 2023 to 2025 for either of them if they want to say theirs. It's yeah. theirs. It's available. It's wide open. And neither of them, in my opinion, did much to separate from the other. Like I thought, both of them had some great moments. Both of them yep. had some not so good moments. And I think you go into the off season if you're both of them and you owe it to yourself to stick it out. And I, I again, I, we didn't hear anything that really gave much credence at all to the rumor that was posted earlier this week about Ty looking at the portal. 
I if if he does look at it that way, I would be. I think that'd be the wrong choice if it was me. But of course, it's just not me. It's just because I thought I didn't think he played so poorly that you would say, "Oh, he's so yes. far behind Jay." No. And I, in yeah. fact, I'd probably say they're basically on even footing right yeah, now. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. yeah, I think they're on even footing, and I think you you, you nailed it. That this you have to hope that that these two guys have the level headed thinking that hey, Bo wants to be here just for one year. He's going to be gone after next season. Get through the year. Get your development and see where you're at. Because both guys, you see, like J- Jared said, you see the potential every time that they step on the field and we watch them. You see something happen where you're like, yes, that's that's what you're looking for. They have that skill set in them. It's now it's just can you consistently do it? And that's the, it's what you said, Eric. Like it's literally the, the the snap count. It's literally the rep count of can you get all the you know. The reps in to, to get to where Bo is. Bo's just by far the more experienced quarterback, and that matters. I think it showed today, too. Um, injuries, other guys of note that didn't play. I think there were some notables. Cardwell did not. Um, he dressed, but he did not play. Justin Flo dressed, but did not play. Um, a lot of guys on the defense that we've mentioned yeah. on practice reports all spring did not suit up. Yep. Um, so none of that was really not you know was was new mm-hmm. but there were some injuries in, in camp but it doesn't sound like anything too serious yeah it was precautionary for cardwell uh jackson powers johnson what is what rolled did, up on yeah what, but what did dan say afterwards i'm, I'm he wants to right he wants like, to speak with the medical professionals yeah, to did. confirm but it didn't sound like it was serious yeah okay that's what i thought it was i just wanted to make sure I didn't misrepresent that massive yes cuz that it I, for those of you who are watching and or for those of you who were at the game and couldn't watch a replay, it, it looked good. Gnarly, gnarly. Yeah, he he was uh, engaged in blocking an outside linebacker, and Braden Swinson basically just rolled up on his right leg, which is kind of textbook something bad to your knee area. Yeah. Um, I was encouraged by the fact that he got up and walked off. Yes, like that quite was encouraging. Really encouraging. And then he was icing, and we actually he was standing in the HTC courtyard, like yeah. so he didn't he wasn't like taken to a hospital for MRI. Like right away, maybe they did it prior to with that point. I don't know if they can do it that quickly. Probably not. But like, it, my, my the indication for me was like that's pretty positive. Yes. But as Dan said, like we 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 can't get too far ahead here without fully knowing what the medical staff has said. But that was the by the way, that's a that was pretty it. good spring game. If yeah. You only have one <laughs> All possible injury, injury. Things considered. Yeah. Like you know how many times we've had a, a season ender in a spring yeah. game, and I, you, know, you come out of it without that, and that feels. Pretty darn good. The one other note I wanted to share was I mentioned the Tom Snead thing about kind of the uncertainty there. Christian Williams has been a player who I don't think has maybe been here at all this spring, or at least not since they came back from spring break, a defensive lineman. Um, same story with he and Tom. We're not we're not sure what the future holds, but it doesn't sound like the door is closed either based upon what Dan Lanning said. And then uh, one more, yeah, uh, Jab- yeah Jabril McNeil, oh, who yes, was good catch. not listed on the spring game roster or announced by the team. Um, I think we tweeted that out. It, that was a clerical error, according Ouch. to the or- Oregon Sports Information Directors. Um, yeah, he was he was out there. He was on the yellow team, number seventeen. Um, just to clarify that he's still with the Oregon Ducks at this level. All right, let's wrap this up. Um, all in all. I'm pretty damn impressed that 42,000 fans. I mean, we were talking before the game as we were all traveling to get here. Like it was, it was <laughs> yeah, harder to get into the spring game than like it was have, for a regular season game last year. Yeah, you guys want to have like 15 minutes to discuss the line and just everything that we went through. <laughs> it, was, it was borderline traumatic. It was a lot. Um, <laughs> it was, I'm being so you know, over to, the yeah, top like, by saying like that. First world problems. Um, <laughs> Very first world. But yeah, it was. 
like Matt said, it was it was a lot of folks. 42,000 estimated. I think that was a pretty proper number. I think that's exactly what we wanted to see. It was a beautiful day. Uh, there's still the rest of Duck Day that's happening. Uh, baseball's currently underway. The Oregon relays are still happening. Uh, there's a softball game later, too. It's a chock-full day for uh, Oregon athletic fans. I mean, Autzen was basically, if you could see it, Basically, the round parts up in the corners were empty. Everywhere else was pretty much full. Yep. yep. Um, That's how I put it. And there's, I tweeted a photo out of the crowd, a lot of camera shots. You can't see below where we're at. It was completely packed. When we got down on the field and looked up there, it was loaded. And, yep. I mean, that, this is why I think a lot of fans, a lot of coaches view this school so highly is the support is through the roof. I mean, USC had... A career uh, program high of thirty three thousand for their spring game today, which they announced, which is a ridiculous number when you look at the pictures. Um, but it's not even close to what today was, and today wasn't even close to I think the career uh, the, the career high, the program high for Austin City, Austin City career best. Yeah. Um, well, I just had one thought, and then we can wrap. But like, um, it, it falls in line with the, with the quote Kenny Dillingham gave really early yes. on in camp, and I just was looking at yesterday up on the site. I put together like here's why all the assistant coaches said they were coming to Oregon. I had a mm-hmm. compilation of that, and and what Kenny said was Oregon is the one school west of Texas where it feels like an SEC environment where football is king. And as Matt said, USC had a career best day. <laughs> Oregon probably wasn't a career best day, but it was 10,000 people probably more here. And it was felt, and even Jay was saying, like, it kind of rattled him earlier, Jay Butterfield, of like, wow, there are, are a lot of people here. And I think, you know, if you're a player or you're a recruit in attendance, like, you had to take note of, like, this is pretty special. And if you go around the rest of the West Coast, it's just nothing like this most places. Exactly, and we talked about this on our Friday podcast, just about how how much the Oregon staff has been putting into, hey, everybody come out, and not just come out for Oregon football, come out for baseball, come out for the relays, come out for soccer in the morning and softball at night, and I, I think it was a success. I think Duck Day, I mean, so far, there's still like a few more games to go, but... I think this is something that, as I said on Friday, has to be the, the the trend going forward about this spring game is orchestrated around football, but have home home events, home track meets, home baseball games, whatever the case may be, and get as many people down to to the Eugene on family on or excuse me uh, family weekend for for the students and just try to get as many people as possible to create some hype for the team. Uh, 35,110 was the 2019 spring game total. That's the last spring game that had fans in it. I put it on Twitter over under that. 78% said over for the attendance, and it, it hit. It hit. Mm-hmm. It hit. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening to this postgame edition. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with the mailbag. Until then, thank you for listening. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!